And we are in a series called Jesus's Playlist. This is week three. We got one more next week, which is going to be really good. But this series is all about the songs that Jesus sang. And I love this because Jesus throughout his life and ministry, and it's all recorded in the Bible, he's quoting songs, which means he's singing songs, which means he's listening to songs. And I don't know about you, but if if I'm going to listen to somebody's playlist, I don't really care if my friends make playlists on Spotify. I don't listen to those. But if Jesus makes a playlist, I'm like, hey, I'll, I'll check that out. Let's, let's see what Jesus puts on his playlist. And so we have a few of these songs that Jesus put on his playlist. We're going to look at one of them today. Uh, let's, let's go ahead and jump in. So it's Matthew chapter 21, if you have your Bibles. We're going to be here for just a minute. And I should have prepped ahead of time and turned there, but I didn't. Matthew chapter 21. And uh, this is what happens. Jesus comes into Jerusalem. You might have heard this story before. He's riding on a donkey, which is interesting. I don't know if anyone's ever tried riding a donkey before. I sat on one once. It wasn't very fun. But Jesus rode a donkey into Jerusalem, which was the capital of Israel. And they're having a big celebration at the time, so everyone's kind of celebrating. And they've heard about this guy named Jesus who's coming in, and they've heard that he heals people, and so they're excited. And so they're saying this, this word, it's called Hosanna. It's an ancient Hebrew word, which means like glory or praise. And they're saying Hosanna to the Son of David. And he comes in, he hops off, and then he goes into the temple. And this is one of the best Jesus stories there is. He goes into the temple, and somebody, I see one guy nodding his head. He knows where this is going. Jesus goes into the temple, and he sees people there. Instead of worshiping, they're actually trying to make some quick money by cheating people, by selling stuff they shouldn't be selling in the place of worship. Jesus goes in, and he flips over the tables. And this is everyone's, like, everyone's excuse when they get mad about something. They're like, Jesus flipped tables. You know, I, I can punch you right now because Jesus flipped tables. No, don't. That's not a good excuse. But Jesus goes in, he flips these tables, he's like, you shouldn't be doing this. And then it says he goes out, and all the blind and the lame people come to him so he can heal them. And so when, this is, this is hilarious to me, because Jesus does, does some really cool stuff, he heals some people, but the religious leaders of the day do not like it. They come to Jesus, and they say, what are you doing, Jesus? And then they hear some voices, and there's voices of little kids in the temple, and they're singing, they're, they're, they're saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Hosanna to the Son of David, talking about Jesus. And the, the religious leaders really don't like this. So they come to Jesus and say, hey, what's going on here? Shouldn't they, why, why are they doing this? And Jesus quotes this song. It's verse Matthew chapter 21, verse 16. They said, do you hear what these children are saying? And Jesus replies, have you never read? From the lips of children and infants, you have ordained praise. And then he just drops the mic and goes home. And I'm like, man, that's like, what's good? I don't quite get what, but see, here's what they would understand. The religious leaders would have understood the song this was from. It's from Psalm chapter 8. So this is the last time you're going to have to turn to your Bible today, if you've got your Bible. Turn to Psalm chapter 8. And this is the song we're going to be in today. This is a song that Jesus sang, Jesus quoted, the people back then would have known, and so we need to know it today. It's a song written by the King David. You know, David versus Goliath, round and round and round and round and round and round. He throws the, throws the stone and kills Goliath. You guys heard the story before? This is the one story everyone knows from the Bible. You might not have heard of Jesus, but you know about David and Goliath. All right, so this is the same guy. He's a king, and he wrote this song. And this is, this is the first line. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. This is a song about God's majesty, how great he is. Now, we live in America, y'all. We, no, no kings and queens here, right? Well, the queen bee, we got her. We got LeBron as right, the king. But other than those, no kings and queens here. So we don't really get majesty because that's a, that's a royal word. But you guys, you guys watched, probably, some of you watched, the royal wedding that took place a few months ago, right? And, I mean, you see what they do, and you're watching it, and you're like, what, why are they riding a carriage? 
this is, this is 2018. Why are they riding a carriage and like Buckingham Palace and all that? And it's super formal, you know, because you know it's formal. You know what? An event's important when everyone looks uncomfortable. You know, everyone's like there, and they just, they look like they're uncomfortable to be there, and they're not sure how to react. And then you had that preacher, you guys see the preacher who came in there, right? He just preached, and they, the British people really didn't know how to react to that. They're like, what's going on? Uh, but that is majesty, like this, this sense of like, you know they're, they're kings and queens and princes, and you're not because of how they're living, right? And so this is a song about God's majesty. And it says, your name is majestic in all the earth. And so if I'm writing this song, I'm going to be like, okay, first off, Grand Canyon, that's majesty. Come on, that's some cool stuff. I've got a dream of going to see the Northern Lights. You guys know what I'm talking about? Cra- I don't, that stuff's magic. Y'all, that stuff's not real. I'm not going to believe it till I see it with my eyes. That's, that's funky, right? You know what I'm talking about? The, the weird stuff going on in the sky. Like if I'm writing a song about how majestic God is in the earth, I'm talking about that stuff. I'm talking about, did you know blue whales have veins that are big enough you can swim through? I'm writing about that stuff. I think that's true. Fact check me after the service. I think that's true. Like that stuff's incredible. And so my whole song's going to be like, yo, you got blue whales veins. You got the Northern Lights. You got the Grand Canyon. That's three verses and it's going to be a cool song. And that's how it starts off. It starts off like this. You've set your glory above the heavens. I'm like, okay, God, here we go. We're starting off above the heavens. We're going to come down to earth little by little. This is going to be good. We'll get down to the blue whales eventually. And then what does it say next? From the lips of children and infants you have ordained praise because of your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. Now at this point I'm thinking, God, wait, wait a second. Is that the plan? Babies? I mean, I I know babies are cute, but it's not saying, hey, the cuteness of babies is going to overcome. It's the voices of babies. Come on, you ever had a, had a kid or had a brother or sister at 2 a.m. baby who's crying? Look, there's nothing good about that, right? There's nothing. I don't hear that and think that's the Lord's plan right there. I think Satan's in this place. You know, rebuke Satan. Go to sleep, child. And that's what I think. Not, not, oh, this is beautiful. But God says, or David says, inspired by the Holy Spirit, from the lips of children and infants, God has actually ordained. That means God has decided, God has chosen, God has set up praise to overcome his enemies. Like, what's going on here, God? Because I look at my life, and I'm... I'm pretty weak, you know, I'm pretty weak, and I look at a baby, and a baby's pretty weak, and I think, God, that's, that's your method? You got blue whales over here, and you gave them super huge veins. Why don't, why don't you use that to show how great you are? Why do you use what is so weak? What God is pretty much saying is, hey, I've got enemies out here, and I'm going to order up some kids' bop songs to overcome them. <laughs> that makes zero sense. At least use the real version. Don't go the kids' bop version. But God orders up some kids' bop. And he says, that's what's going to silence the avenger. That's what's going to overcome the foe, is that little weak thing. But this isn't about babies, right? This is not about babies. God's not focusing on the babies here. It's actually about weakness. And I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but who here is weak? Don't raise your hand. Who here is weak? Y'all, I'm weak. I'm weak. And this can look like so many things. I mean, I don't care if you can bench press like 400 pounds. You can be weak in a lot of ways. Yeah, relationships, right? In our relationships, you know, there's a lot of, just about everyone I meet, once I get to know them well enough, they're like, man, relationships are super awkward at times. And I feel really uncomfortable at times in relationships. And maybe you've failed a couple times in your relationships, you haven't held up your end of the deal, or the other person hasn't. And that's an area of weakness for you. It could be, it could be your job. Man, like, I'm just not good at my job. I don't know what my job's supposed to be. Maybe it's I'm, not that I'm not good at my job, it's that I don't have a job. And that's, a, that's an area of weakness, it could be your self-perception. And this is, this is a real thing. It doesn't matter your age. 
doesn't matter where you're at in life. You look at yourself, you wake up and look at yourself in the mirror and you think, man, this is just rough. My life is rough. I don't have it together. I'm showing one thing on the outside, but I can't back it up on the inside. I'm just trash. We all have weaknesses. And I, I want to be real about this. We all have weaknesses. And this is a song about how God wants to use weak people and weak things to show his majesty. I want to give you a spiritual principle here. And we see this not only in this verse, but all throughout Scripture. And this this is what it is. God uses the weakest things and the weakest people to reveal himself. Now, this is not what I would have chosen, right? I'm choosing the powerful things, the big things. If you want something to come out of somebody's lips to show how powerful God is, it's going to be teeth out of a great white shark's lips. They don't have lips, do they? No, their snout, out of their snout, right? Guess he's shark weak. Those things are powerful. I want to use the big, and in life I want to do this. If I want to see God move, I want to see God move through the big, through the extraordinary, through the powerful, through the gifted. But over and over again, God chooses what is weak. In fact, in 1 Corinthians, it says this, God chose what is low and despised in the world, world, even things that are not. In other words, God uses stuff that doesn't even exist to bring to nothing what is, so that no one can boast. And that's the reality. None of us can boast because we're all weak and we're sitting here. You're weak. And you probably know this. We get hit over the head with this. You might have woken up, and I know some people here, and this is where you are. You woke up this morning, and one of the first thoughts on your mind is just how weak you are. And you used used other language. You might have thought, man, I'm a failure. Man, I'm a screw-up. Man, I'm a... The word I can't say up here, right? You might, that, that thought might have been in your head. That word might have been in your head because you wake up and you realize, man, I'm, I just, it's, I'm weak. I can't do this. And the reality is we are all there in our lives. Now, I know you didn't come to church today for me just to hit you over the head, right? You're weak. Okay, amen. Praise the Lord. Go home. Go be weak. Go be weak. What we need sometimes, in fact, I need this just about every day. I need someone to pull me close, look in my eyes and say, you is smart. <laughs> you is kind. And you is important. I mean, I would be willing to pay some money for somebody to say that to me every day. Because that's, that's, that's what we need sometimes, is for someone to speak that truth over our lives. The good thing is, that's what happens in this song. So let's, let's keep reading. Here we go, verse 3. David says, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him. What do we matter? What do you matter? You look at everything else in the world. You look at all the other people. You will never be the most talented. You'll never be the best. You're always going to mess up more than the other person. You just will never be what you want to be. I won't either. Neither will the person sitting next to you. Actually, the person you look at and see and you think they got their life together, they don't have their life together as much as they show. So who am I? Why Why do I even matter? And I love what comes next. This is God saying, you is smart, you is kind, you is important. What is man that you are mindful of? In verse 5, you made him a little lower than the heavenly beings. You crowned him with glory and honor. Now, this, this word here, heavenly beings, your translation might treat it differently. It's actually the Hebrew word for God. And so the translators here are trying to figure out what to do with that because it's a little weird to say, you made man a little lower than God. Because we know God is incredibly above us. What this is getting back to is the idea that you were made in the image of God. And this is, this is clear, the Bible teaches this all the way from the very beginning to the very end, that humans are made in the image 
of God. Uh, Technology is pretty cool, isn't it? Technology is pretty cool. I like my smartphone. It's, it's great. But I miss the good old days. And I know my good old days are different than your good old days if you're over about 30, okay? So you have different good old days. My good old days are cassette tapes. I miss cassette tapes. I think that is some of the most extraordinary technology to ever exist. I don't understand how a cassette tape makes, makes beautiful music. I have no idea how it works. I'm amazed by this. I just sit there and stare at cassette tapes sometimes. Probably the best technology to ever been created, and we've lost it, is Polaroid cameras. I mean, I, you can still buy them, but they're ridiculously expensive. And I'm getting some blank stares here, so because we got a pretty young group. So a Polaroid camera. Does anybody, I'm not going to ask that question. I'm just going to explain what it is. A Polaroid camera. I don't want to put anybody on the spot. Show you how weak you are. You know, I'm going to. You take a picture on this camera, and it prints it out immediately. And then as you're staring at it and shaking it, the picture appears. I'm not making this up. This sounds like magic, doesn't it? This is like one of those things you're like, hey, why don't you shake this and a picture will appear. And 30 minutes later, they're still shaking it. No, this really exists. I think that's the most incredible thing, that, that, it, that it works like that. I think Polaroids are awesome. And in some ways, that's a good way of thinking about how, who we are in relation to God. So God is real, right? God, God is the real. God is everything. God is incredible. But the Bible teaches we are made in God's image. You see, so we're not God. I mean, we are not divine. But we are actually an accurate representation of part of who God is. And so when God created us, nine months in the womb, right? A little shaking, a little shaking going on in the womb. And then we pop out and we're a little picture. We're an image of God. And this is who God has created us to be. So that's the first thing you need to understand. You are weak. You are so weak. You are weaker than you know, but you're made in the image of God. And then you're crowned with glory and honor. And sometimes we try to crown ourselves with stuff on Snapchat. And Instagram, ooh, let me get that filter. What's the, I don't use Snapchat, y'all, but what's the little flower thing people used to do on their heads all the time? Do people still do that? That was, people still do that. That was an interesting, okay, so crowning yourself with, with flowers. Ansley's like, oh, what, what's going on? You used that yesterday, probably. You used it yesterday, you did. <laughs> this is better than a Snapchat filter. God has crowned us with glory and honor. Not because you earned it, not because you're good enough, but because it's how he made you. He's crowned you with glory and honor. And then it goes on. It says this, verse 6, you made him a ruler over the works of your hands. You put everything under his feet. Now get this, and this is what this means. It doesn't mean you actually like, you're a king or a queen like for real right now. You can't go around and start commanding people what to do. When you have a wedding, it's not going to be as big as the royal wedding in England. Okay, So just get over that right now. But what this means is that you are above creation. I'm talking like the blue whales with the big veins and the northern lights and the Grand Canyon. God has made you to where you are different from all of creation. You are above it. As, as just by being a person, you've, got, you've been blessed and you've been lucky because you are above all of that. Just by virtue of being a human. God has blessed us. He's given us all this. He's built all of this into us. This is who you are. You may not feel it. You may not see it. But this is who you are. But God uses the weak parts of us. You see, God understands all this about how he made you. God's made you in these incredible ways. But God uses the weak parts of us. And I have to ask this question, and you might be asking it too. Why does God use weak people? I mean, if I'm creating a plan, if, if, if I'm creating my fantasy football team this year, I'm not going to draft the loser players. 
Right? I'm going to draft the best ones. Actually, I'm not. The other guy in the league is going to draft the, draft the best ones. I'm going to try to draft the best players in my fantasy football league. And I'm going to try to do that because I want to win because you've got to have strength in order to win. But God, over and over again, uses weak people like us. Why does he do this? Two big reasons why God uses weak people. The first is that you cannot trust God if you think you're strong enough. And this is what God wants because trust is relationship. Relationship is trust. So when, we, when we're in a relationship with God, we trust him. When we trust God, we're in relationship with him. And we can't trust God if we think we have it all together, if we think we're perfect. Look, this is true about most of our lives that we've gone through. If, if you've been through a lot before you knew Jesus, you thought you were enough, or at least you tried to be enough, but you couldn't be. Trust is required in order for God to use weak people. Here's the second thing, though. When we are weak, it allows us to understand God in a way that no one else can. So if you've been through some junk in your past, and it's still really real and you're still wrestling with it, but you're seeking God in that, you're going to experience God in a way that no one else has. Think about that for a second. If you've been through some really bad mistakes, and you're seeking God in that, you are going to experience God's grace in a way that no one else ever has. And God's grace, it's this theological word, we know it's amazing because of this song, but God's grace is really just God's presence, his power, and his provision in our lives. And get this, every single time you think, I've failed, and maybe you have, or I've screwed up, and maybe you have, if you seek God in that, you can experience him in a way that no one else ever has in quite the same way. Which means then when it comes to your little baby mouth getting ready to sing God's praises, you're going to be able to sing God's praises in a way that no one else ever has. So don't view your past and the mistakes you've made and where you are and the weaknesses you you have as these things that just mean you can't be used. No, those are exactly why you can be used because you have those exact weaknesses. God says, I want those weaknesses and I want to turn them into your strength. You can see God move in your life in a way that no one else can. But, here's the truth, it's not enough just to be weak. If it was enough to be weak, we'd hold weak Olympics, right? The Olympics would be about like, who could lift the least amount of weight? Who could run the slowest? Who could be the worst? If, if the world, if this is all about being weak, it would be, who could do the worst job at your work? I mean, who could just like really mess it up to where your company lost a ton of money and then you, you'd get the bonus that year? If it was about being weak, I'd, I'd be a rock star somewhere right now if it were about being weak. But it's not just about being weak. I mean, just messing up over and over, that's not what it's about. It's about recognizing how weak you are, but being confident in who God made you to be. Recognizing your weakness, but being confident in Jesus. And only by recognizing how messed up I am or how much I've messed up in my life, and then saying, but there's an answer to this, and it's not me. That's the only way our weakness can become a strength. And in your life, whatever your weakness is, and look, I I don't know everybody here that well, but I know everyone here's got a past, everyone here's got junk they've done, everyone here's got stuff going on right now, weaknesses in your life. God wants you to trust him in that. And as you trust him in that weakness, he's going to do some cool stuff. He really is going to do some cool stuff in your life. So uh, this is the big idea. If, if you come away with nothing else from today, I want you to remember this. God wants to use your baby talk to show his power. 
God wants to use your cry at 2 a.m. in the morning, like that little, you know, that little baby cry before they've actually developed lungs super well yet. It's like a little, like a little lamb, almost buying a little, like bleeding a little bit. You know, what I'm talking about like, you know, that, that sort of thing. Y'all just made me do it. Y'all made me do that. That little cry. You start off like that. It's going to be this is little. I, I don't have much to offer you, Lord. Here's my weakness, and, and he's going to get a lot of weakness, and you're not going to feel a lot of strength coming back your way. But as you, as you just trust him in that, he's going to do incredible things. I believe that there are people in your life this week that God wants to set up an opportunity for you to minister to because you are a minister of the gospel, and he wants you to do that, but you've just got to trust him. You've got to trust him and then recognize that you've experienced something nobody else has in a way that nobody else quite has, and so he can use you, and he wants to use you. Here's the key to all of this, all this, and we're wrapping up here. Here's the key to all of it. It's two words at the beginning of this psalm. O Lord, our Lord. You see, all this only makes sense if you can say, Lord, you are my Lord. Lord, you are our Lord. Because we can all sit back and say, oh, man, I've got weakness, and yeah, I guess I'm going to maybe say a prayer to God one time. But it's about being in that relationship with God because relationship is the trust And we've got to have that trust in order for God to use us. People around you already know you're weak. You don't have to explain it to them. Or if you just met them, maybe you just met somebody today, they don't know you're weak yet because you seem pretty cool, pretty put together. Give them about, I don't know, five minutes talking to you. And they're going to realize you're weak, okay? So people around you know you're weak. You know you're weak. You know it. But God looks at you, and he doesn't see just your weaknesses. He sees who he created you to be. So this week, that's, that's why God uses weak people and weak things. Because he doesn't just see the weaknesses, he also sees the strengths. This week, you're going to think, I'm worthless, I'm a failure, I'm a screw-up, I'm fill in the blank. And God's going to use you. If you take those thoughts and say, that's all true. But here's what's also true. I'm made in the image of God. I am part of God's plan to transform this world. I am crowned with glory and honor. I'm a ruler over creation. And God wants to work in my life. Here's how I know all this is true. When God came to earth to save his people, he came as a baby. You ever think about that? Jesus was a baby once. I get, I get really uncomfortable thinking about that. I like to think of Jesus as like a 33-year-old man when he died. You know, I like to think of that. But the idea of Jesus is like an 8-year-old. What does 8-year-old Jesus look like? What is that? That's weird. Okay, Jesus came as a weak person. Jesus had the voice of a child, and he grew up. And he actually, when he decided to save us from our sins, he didn't do it in a powerful way. He didn't rise up and just be like, I am, I'm God, and I'm going to just go away sins. Ah, I'm going to strike down my enemies. That's not what he did. He died. Like a criminal. He was executed. It was gruesome, it was disgusting, and it was weak. And everybody mocked him as he died. That's how weak he was. Everybody mocked him. And for three days, weakness was all people saw. And then he rose from the dead and overcame sin, overcame death, overcame weakness. He overcame it all because he is God. And God uses weakness to show his power. This week, God wants to do that in your life. He wants to use your weakness Whatever junk you got and are bringing to the table, he wants to use that to show his strength. Can we pray together today? 
Father, I pray for each person who is here. I ask that you would help them. As they encounter the challenges of the week and they realize the weaknesses that they're wrestling with, I pray that you would help them to see how you are at work and how their weaknesses and the way they've uniquely experienced your grace can allow them to minister to other people, to show your power, to show your majesty in this world. And as we remain in prayer, I just want to say, we do this just about every week. If, if you know that your weakness is going to be a struggle this week, you know it's going to pop up, maybe it's in your mind right now, and you want to give it to God and you want your weakness to be used for God's power, with everyone just with our heads still bowed, if you just slip up a hand, if that's you right now, and just, oh, we got hands going up all over the place, and just say, that's me, that's where I'm at. I want to pray a special prayer for you. Jesus, help those who have raised their hands up right now. Bless them, God, this week as they face their weaknesses. Let them not focus on their weaknesses. Let them focus on your goodness. Let them not just see where they are, but where you want to take them. And Lord, let them be bold and confident in who you are and to where you're taking them in this life. Now, I know there's some people here who also aren't followers of Jesus yet. When you hear this stuff about weakness, about Jesus dying, and you, you recognize, man, this is something that I want to have in my life, but you're, you're not at that point. Maybe you've, you've never sought God in the past, or maybe you have in the past, but right now you feel distant from Him. And I just want to say, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day when your weakness is turned into God's strength. Jesus died for you. He knew your weakness. He knew how messed up you were going to be, and so He died. Like, he didn't die in spite of that. He died because of that. And he's offering you. And all you got to do is receive it right now and follow him and seek him. And he's going to transform your life. So right now, as, as our heads are bowed, is there anyone who's bold enough to say, you know what, I'm not a follower of Jesus right now, but I want to be. I want him to come in and transform my life. Is there anyone who can just raise a hand right now and say, that is me? Anyone who can just raise a hand and say, that's who I want to be. I want to be strong in God. Can we all pray this prayer together out loud? Jesus, I need your strength. I give you my weakness. Turn it into your power. Jesus, you died for my sins. So I give myself to you. Move in my life and help me to show who you are. Thank you for your love. In the name of Jesus. Amen.